Welcome to episode 7 of Once Upon a Stage podcast. This week we spoke with the extremely talented Christine Dwyer. Christine was once a gringo herself playing Alphabet in Wicked. She was also Maureen in Rent and was most recently seen as Jenna in Waitress. Please welcome Christine Dwyer. I'm very excited. I was trying to tell her, I'm like, I've known Christine for a while. <laughs> to think about like the 25 year olds I know now. <laughs> I was 25 then and I thought I knew a lot more than I did. <laughs> I know. I, I feel so old because I'm 31. I'm 36. I just turned 36. I can't like it's just crazy. Like how it's even crazy how close you and I are in age. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. I know, especially because it didn't feel like it. No. <laughs> because I felt so much older and I just wasn't. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. All right. What was your high school or college theater experiences like? And was there a particular role that you played that inspired you to pursue this as a career? Um, yeah, well, my I went to public high school. Like I didn't go, it was a small school um, in a small town. I didn't, I didn't have like theater classes as part of my curriculum. Um, I had to do everything that I did performance wise was out, outside of school really um we had one chorus class but it I think it was only like once a week or something like that and everything else that I did was either like getting up at five in the morning and going to a chorus rehearsal for the like specialty choirs that we had which was like we had chamber choir and we did you know kind of all like dirgy church songs and stuff um (laughs) with like really crazy harmonies and whatever but but that wasn't a part of the public school curriculum so I did that in the morning or in the afternoon. And, you know, I I had some really great teachers who were really, who were really inspirational and uh, really went above and beyond to get us the music training and the acting training that they wished the school provided. So I was really lucky in that way, but I, I, I didn't do any outside things. I did the school plays. That's what I did. I hung out with my friends and I did the school plays and I knew a little bit about Broadway. And I knew that when I went to Boston with my mom, I liked to see theater and we saw Les Mis, Miss Saigon and Phantom of the Opera. Like those are the ones, you know, like every year. And then I discovered Rent when I was 13 or something, 13 or 14. I can't, yeah, something like that. And that really opened my eyes to really wanting to pursue this. Cause I was like, oh, it's not just Phantom of the Opera and Les Mis. Like it's not just these big right. musicals. There are musicals about people that are closer to my age that are going through real stuff that wear jeans. You know what I mean? Like I was like, that's cool. So that was like the show that, that really, really launched me into wanting to do this. And it wasn't until I was late at kind of deciding everything. I was interested in a lot of different things. I wanted to be a vet for a while and a marine biologist. And then I realized that I was going to have to actually like cut open animals and I didn't want to do that. So, and, and go to school for like eight years. And I was like, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was really into swimming. Um, I was a competitive swimmer and I loved that. Me too. And, uh, yeah, I loved it. It was my but. What what was your what was your stroke? Mine was butterfly. I hated butterfly. Oh my god! I, I it. It was the only one that like. Yeah, no, I hated it. I love backstroke. That was the main one that I did, and they made me do distance a lot, like the five hundred. Same. Yeah, I, but I did like all the long distance butterfly things that like nobody wanted to do. But yeah, so I kind of I had to pick between theater and and swimming in that way because it was getting in the way of my grades and all of that, and so I I quit swimming and. Decided to 
focus completely on theater. And when I kind of decided to go to college, I truly couldn't think of anything else that I really wanted to study. But I knew that I didn't just want to study theater, that I wanted to go to a university where I could take other classes because I had other interests. I wanted, I, I love literature. I loved to write and read. And, you know, some of those super small conservatory programs, it's like, yeah, you're in class all day, but the, you are singularly focused on theater. And I knew that I wanted more. So I ended up going to the Hart School at the University of Hartford. And we had to take general education classes. And then I was one of those weirdos that like actually really liked school and like going to class <laughs> and stuff. So like I took winter courses and I took summer courses and I stayed in school so that I could fit in classes that I couldn't normally take because of my theater classes. So I ended up getting a, um, not a double major. I got a major in musical theater and then a minor in English because I took all these other classes and stuff. And I'm so glad that I did that because it just, first of all, I wasn't only focused on my little world, like my little bubble. I had other people that were interested in other things. I lived with people that weren't just in the arts. I was in class with people that were just talking about other things. And I think ultimately that made me a better performer because I had other perspectives. It wasn't just sitting, not, not that there's anything wrong with this because I did this too, but it wasn't just sitting in front of a computer and looking up old YouTubes of like Patti LuPone. Totally did. But then I also you know, like talk, talk to people that were going for physical therapy and like, wow, what's what's that like? Like what all, all of the little things about the body that you need to know in order to do that job, which also I lived with a physical therapy major for my first year and we remained friends. And like, I learned so much about the human body, which you need to know about to do theater. Exactly. <laughs> because figuring out all those little exercises and things that you can do so that you don't get injured. Like, I just think it's really important that way to just have a bigger perspective. So I, I had a really great college experience. I happened to have a really nice class of kids that we all kind of felt like the misfits that didn't get into the other like bigger musical theater programs, <laughs> uh, which was kind of like, it was fun. Um, it didn't feel crazy competitive. It felt like more of a community there. And I still talk to a lot of those people. Just recently, actually, I, there was a concert that I did and they all had like a Zoom reunion. And I couldn't go to it, but it's yeah. it was just a nice class. I had a really good, well-rounded experience going there. I'm trying to think of the US the, the role that that I got to do. I would say in high school probably the show that I feel like got all of us the closest was Godspell because it wasn't lead centric, it was ensemble centric and I loved that and I feel like that informed the way that I wanted to interact in this theater world because yeah, of course everybody wants to play the lead, but sometimes you're not <laughs> and also sometimes you are and you still have to remember that you're not the most important person in the room. And I feel like that was something that I took from that high school experience even into my professional life. And not to mention that I got to, when I started with Wicked anyways, I was an understudy and I got to understudy Marcy Dodd, who's like the nicest person in the universe yes. and like, like the best person to understudy ever. And I learned so <laughs> much from her about how to like just be a good person who people respected, but also didn't feel afraid of. I just learned so much from her and I was so grateful for that. But yeah, I would say that doing Godspell in high school was the tipping point for me to say, you know, yeah, this is what I want to pursue in college. I love that. It was my, yeah, my junior year. And that's when I really made the decision. I love yeah. that. Um, who were your role models growing up? And did you see yourself as anything other than a performer? Yes, I did. <laughs> I had different interests and stuff. Even, even now, I am a performer, but like, I think it's good to be a performer and then know that 
you're not always going to be able to perform, that there are going to be some dry spells in your career, that you're going to be going through some personal things where maybe you can't perform. And it's good to just have other things to fall back on. I think for theater, when people go into it, they feel like I can't have a plan B because that means that I'm going to fall back on my plan B. And I just don't see that as realistic. Like you have to, you're not, if, unless you are one of the like super, super, super lucky people that gets to New York and works all the time, which like I can't, I honestly can't even really think of any people that do that. Even the ones that seemingly work all the time still have big breaks in their career. It might be performance-based or theater-based. For, for us right now, like we're making our way teaching and we've been doing that for a while. Mm -hmm. We've been doing that now for five years so that when the pandemic hit, it didn't feel like such a crazy departure from the ways that we were already making money when we couldn't perform. That that part was cool. Wait, what was the other, what was the first question? Um, who were who were your role models growing up? I mean, Adina Menzel, of course. I've I've gotten to play two roles that she's played now and have auditioned for Frozen a bunch of times and never booked it. Yeah. But yeah, she was she was absolutely one of my role models because she's different than other performers and she was unique and. I saw a lot of myself in the characters that she played and how like quirky and weird they were and all that. She kind of made me feel like I had a place in this industry. So so she she was definitely one. Leah Salonga was one. I mean, I think like her voice is perfect. Like I just, I when I heard Miss Saigon for the first time and heard someone sing like that with that much passion before I had seen the show and I didn't even see her in the show, unfortunately, like... Just, I mean, she was what, like 18 when she started that exactly. part? And you can listen to that album and you know, like everything that she's feeling. It is not just a recording studio version. She is like fully invested into that. And since then I've met her a couple of times and actually did get to see her on stage and once on this island and she couldn't be nicer and everybody who works with her like loves her. And so that too speaks to me that, that, you know, you can be in the industry for that long and not get jaded and angry and mean. <laughs> so, so she was, she was also a huge role model for me vocally and just um as a person what was your first ever musical theater performance was it godspell no my first ever musical theater performance because we actually didn't have we didn't do musicals in middle school until my seventh until seventh grade so um our middle school went from fifth grade to eighth grade and they did plays but never had the budget for big musicals and this woman um becky pearson at the time now becky petron came in and made theater important there and really like so many people from my school who have since gone into different career paths within the industry owe so much of that passion to this teacher because she I mean she completely like overworked herself and whatever but she put on like five productions a year she you know like it was she had two plays and then she had the musical at the middle school and then she created the community theater in my town and so it was Linfield Community Schools Theater where it was all ages until senior year of high school and then you got to do these big productions. I mean, we were doing four shows a year at, in public school. I was so grateful for that experience because A, it, it taught me to work really hard because, you know, I still had to go to school and, and figure out how to keep my grades up, do all that stuff. But but it, it gave me the passion to do this. And so the first musical that I was ever in was Bye Bye Birdie. And I played, not Ursula, I played Margie, I think. I'm trying to think telephone song. Hi, Margie. <laughs> hi, Alice. Oh, I know. 
I, I played <laughs> Alice. I said, hi, Margie. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I played Alice, just like one of the teenagers um, who was obsessed with Conrad Birdie and stuff. And, and that was my introduction into musical theater. And it was so fun and ridiculous. And I grew up going to dance class, but like I never had to do choreography like that. And so that was a learning experience. But yeah, that was that was my first show. I was Alice. I was one of the telephone kids in the ensemble. And it was great. Um, I do want to talk about Rent a little bit. Um, what was your most memorable moment doing Rent? I mean, there's so many because like I said, that was the show that made me want to do this. I was so nervous to audition for it because it was really my first New York audition and I didn't, I had no idea what I was doing. You know, you're walking into Telsey's office and you've heard the name, but like, it's crazy when you're there for the first time realizing that you're auditioning for for your, you know, dream job or whatever. <laughs> but I think part of the reason that I got it was also that I was like so naive. I'm so much more keenly aware now of how many people are going in for the same role that I'm going in for because I've been in the industry now. Mm -hmm. And so the pressure is much greater. You know, back then I'm like, oh, I'm, go I'm going in for this musical that I really want to be in and had no idea of the scope of how many talented people were coming in to go for this. <laughs> I got extremely lucky just being at the right place at the right time being the type that they wanted me to be at that time. I had short hair. Nicolette Hart, I believe, was playing it on Broadway at the time. She had short hair. Who knows if that had anything to do with it, but like, sometimes <laughs> it does, you know? So that was like a lucky break for me. I mean, really walking into that rehearsal room for the first time, doing that music rehearsal for the first time, singing Seasons of, I think Seasons of Love is what we started with. And like doing that song and realizing that I was going to be in that line that I had seen so many times, it was incredible. I definitely cried. I think there were a lot of people that cried <laughs> during that rehearsal. <laughs> and also I'm still friends with all of those people. We're still on a big text chain with each other. Like we've, I've worked with those people multiple times since. I just hung out on Corey Mock's back patio the other day and I, <laughs> I knew him. He was 19 when we did that show. Oh my God. And now and he does Broadway sings and you know, and it's like, yeah. see all of us kind of pursue this or other things and and the fact that like we all still have this community of doing that show is really really special that was a huge moment Th there was one really awesome moment um, we went to Japan which was like the furthest away that I had ever been from home I I met this guy so so you know like the rent heads right I was one we called <laughs> ourselves the rent heads and and Japan has their own set of rent heads I, my space was those you know social media wise at the time and this guy named now reached out to me on MySpace and was like, you're coming to Japan. I have like our faction of rent heads here and we would love to meet you after the show. I'll be dressed as Mark. And I was like, great. Can't wait to meet you. And like every show he came to, he was dressed as Mark and like the full plaid jacket and like the, and the glasses and the, the scarf and everything. It was amazing. Aww. It was awesome. He told me at the end of the run that the rent heads wanted to give us a gift at the end of our, our experience in Japan. And he was like, can you stay on stage at the end of the show? We weren't allowed to, but we were, but we asked if we could stay right off stage and like peek, you know, from behind the curtains. And mm -hmm. they were like, yeah, that's great. And at the end of the show, we do our bows, we run off and then we're all sitting there. And it was, it was incredible. He stood up, dressed as Mark, turned around and conducted the audience who sang the end of the show back to us as a thank you. It was, it was the magic of theater. Like in that moment, I was oh. like, I, I will never 
get this. Like I, I was never ever. That's yeah, so I mean, cute. it was insane. And also, it, the, the language barrier there is so great too mm-hmm. that like he spoke really good English, but a lot of the other rentheads did not, and they sung it back to us in English to say thank you. I that's, mean, it was incredible. Like incredible. it was just, it was, yeah, it was an, an incredible like moment of completely going into a culture that none of us knew anything about really and then to be so like taken in by them and it just felt like a like a really nice hug <laughs> from across the world you know that that not many people get to experience and and that that is a, a memory that I will never ever ever forget from that show what's your favorite scene in Rent I love that scene right before the I'll Cover You reprise where it's just Mark talking, but it's sort of like, it, it's it's contact, it's contact. So contact happens and everyone breaks up and then it, it's, it's over, it's over, it's over. And then mm-hmm. Colin says it's over and we sing the I'll Cover You reprise while we're all still feeling that like anger and intensity and whatever, but still have to come together in that moment to say goodbye to our friend. Mm-hmm. I, I thought, first of all, it's like a beautifully set up moment in the show to go from something aggressive like contact to the I'll cover you reprise and you just get to hear this gorgeous you know baritone voice singing this song watching Angel walk away off the stage that part was really cool and then also at the end having Angel run back on in the street clothes again and just be a part of the community because Angel will always be there those those two parts I thought were so beautifully directed and also yeah it was one of my favorite parts to do in the show because like I love an emotional moment and that is (laughs) that is an emotional moment that show it's not about being funny it's not about wearing a cat suit love you bohem was amazing but that was the moment in the show that really every time i saw it got me and being a part of that moment was one of my favorite parts of being in that show what was your favorite thing about playing maureen honestly my favorite part about playing maureen was that i got to play opposite oni Wachku, who's like my best friend (laughs) we moved to new york city together she was in my wedding she actually lived in my apartment when me and matt were on the road with waitress she took over our our lease and and lived in our apartment like that i think honestly is my favorite part about playing that (laughs) i got to to meet her and that we have remained close as we have she's just the best and I got so lucky because those scenes and and that relationship honestly there really weren't I can't think of any lesbian relationships that were out there <laughs> in musical theater and so there wasn't a lot of like direction for us to, to go in I don't know how else to describe that but it was like we created that relationship because the people who were explaining that relationship to us didn't understand that relationship in the yeah. same way you know it's yeah. just like yeah we, we were two women that were coming together to tell this story and we got really close through the process and like fell in love with each other you know in that way that only two women really can that part of it was incredible because it, it was something that was very very special and very very unique and something that I hadn't experienced in any other show and that I hadn't really seen on stage other than in Rent mm-hmm. so like that and no and knowing how that romantic relationship and friendship is different than you know heterosexual relationship that you mostly see on stage and that part 
was really, really special. And the fact that I got to experience that with Oni specifically, because we were both so open with each other and so willing to go there and like bring truth to that relationship and truth to that romantic relationship. It was just really special. And I was really, really lucky that I got to do that with her. We're going to shift gears to Wicked. What was your audition process like for Wicked? Well, the first time I auditioned for Wicked, I was in rehearsals for Rent. <laughs> um, Kelsey. And so after seeing me for Rent and casting me in that, they were like, oh, we're definitely going to call you in for Alphaba. And that was my other dream role. And Rent was a non-equity show. So we were in rehearsals all the time with no rules, really. <laughs> like we were in rehearsal at eight and like we got breaks and stuff. Don't get me wrong. But it, it's not the same as an equity show where there are union rules and you don't start at a certain time and whatever. Um, so we had already been in rehearsal and already run through the show by 10 a.m. that day. And 10 a.m. was our lunch break. <laughs> audition was at 10.30 for Alpha. And I had no idea where I was going. So first I ran to the wrong studio. I thought that Wicked was auditioning at Telsey that day, but they were actually auditioning at Ripley Greer, which was where I was. So I like ran to Telsey and then realized that Wicked was back <laughs> where I already was. So I had to run back. I barely made it in time. I was sweating. It was horrible. <laughs> and I went in there and I cracked so bad on Defying Gravity to the point where like I just, I laughed and stopped singing because it was like so bad and I apologized. <laughs> and they were like, no, we know it's early and you just came from rehearsal. Like, no big deal. It's okay. And I was like, oh, great. Thanks. And they were like, but that's all we need to see. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, oh. You know, and I walked out and then had to go back to rehearsal being like, well, I ruined that dream. Like, oh, no. so long see you again and uh, luckily uh, Bernie Telsey came to see Rent when we were in New Jersey and he came up to me very deliberately at the en end of the show and said don't worry we are still going to see you for Alphabet <laughs> I was like thanks um, <laughs> and it was it was yeah it was after after I ended Rent I went in a couple more times and I was told that I was going in for the ensemble cover track so I was going to need to go to the dance call I went to the dance call and I totally messed it up and I was horrible and I mean I just couldn't pick up the choreography fast enough it's weird and I'm not a dancer so totally like blew that <laughs> again thought that, that the opportunity was never going to come up again and then years went past before I went in for it again and they randomly I ended up in some pile and they randomly called me in again and that's when I I got pretty close still didn't get it and that was for the standby position I think somewhere they said that I wasn't ready to be the standby but when an understudy track opened up that I would come back and audition so that happened and then maybe like a year after that I went in again for for the understudy position because Ann Brummel was moving up to take over the standby and I was coming in to replace her on the second national tour. And I went in again and I was smart this time and I went over the choreography that I remembered and I, I, I mean, I looked it up on YouTube also. <laughs> and like remembered what I was supposed to do and for my second dance call, I, I was much better and much more confident. Then maybe three days later, I got the call that, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna leave and uh, be there in in Dayton, Ohio, rehearsing in a month. Packed up all, well, first of all, I got that phone call. I sprint walked to Oni's gym that she was working at, which was like 40 blocks away from where I was. Well, I walked in, cause she had helped me with all of the, um, the alphabet material, like throughout all of my many auditions. And I walked in, I was like, <laughs> and she was at her and she was like, you got it. And I was like, <laughs> And we like screamed and like cried, whatever. And then she had to keep working. And I was like, I'm going to go buy tickets to the show. Because at the time, I had no idea that if, if you got into Wicked, that like if you wanted to see it on Broadway before you left to familiarize yourself with the show, they would give you tickets. But I had no idea. This was my debut. So I went up to the ticket window and bought two full price tickets for me oh. and Oni to go see Wicked. 
night and we saw D. Rossioli as, as she was Alphabet at the time and Katie Rose Clark, who Oni randomly went to college with. And so we wow. saw them after, but it was like, it was a crazy experience, but that was like, that was what my audition experience was like. It probably spanned over about three and a half, four years. I know, yeah. didn't you have D's dress? Wasn't that? I did, I did. She was than me, so I tripped on it all the time. <laughs> she was three inches taller than me. <laughs> but yeah, I had, I had her dress. Yeah, when I, I went out. I remember that. I'm like, wait, I think Christine had, D called it Stella, but. Stella. <laughs> <laughs> it was good energy. It was good energy. I love that. Do you remember your Alphaba debut? I remember right before I ran out. I was there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know that I really remember very much of it. I feel like I, I was going a million miles a minute and I, I remember like certain moments. I remember messing up a line <laughs> in scene I like flip-flopped two lines I remember that very clearly because <laughs> I knew that I tripped up Don Amendolia who was playing the wizard at the time and I felt really bad about that and I remember for good being really really emotional because I like couldn't believe that I got through the show <laughs> I couldn't believe that like for all of the little things that went wrong which things went wrong I still got through it and like didn't hurt anybody and I remembered the, the few little lines that I sort of flubbed but yeah, I that cast for me was really, really, um, really supportive. And I had great dance captains, Alicia Albright and Jeremy Duvall were just great. They're so awesome. And I remember the first time I walked into rehearsal, they were like, hi, I'm Alicia. Hi, I'm Jeremy. And I was like, hi, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> uh, also, I'm Christine. <laughs> Because I was like super freaked out that these two like amazing Broadway dance captains were going to try to teach me the show and like I wasn't going to be able to learn it. They were so warm and lovely and kind and, and just made me feel really comfortable and like I knew what was what was coming next. They made me feel the same way with Alphaba. So yeah, I, I guess I remember moments of it and I certainly remember finishing the show and just being like so relieved. Mm -hmm. And also I could not wait to get back to the ensemble. <laughs> I was like, I've done it once. I don't need to do it again. Thank you so much, but I'm good. And I want to be in my ensemble track now because that <laughs> makes me feel more. Little did I know that I would end up taking over ever. But I remember Erin Wilson said something to me after I made my alphabet debut and then I went back into the ensemble and she was like, well, how does it feel? She was like, you're back, you're back with us now. And I was like, honestly, I never want to do that again. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm so I got through it and I'm like really proud of myself, but like, I never want to do that again. <laughs> I'm so glad to be back. <laughs> I will say that one, because I've seen Wicked a lot. I'm not even going to share how many times, like a lot. And I mainly have seen the second national tour and I was at your Alphaba debut and it was in Milwaukee. Yep. <laughs> and I just remember like, I got word that it, like you were going to go on and like Milwaukee's like at least two hours away from me. So I'm like, I'm going, I'm going <laughs> to see it. And that, you know, your debut is one that I, I really remember. You're such a good performer. Like you're so real. And like, you know, I've seen some performers where I'm like, they're like really trying too hard. But with you, I just felt like the role came so easy, even though it was your debut. And I've seen you multiple times in that role and your growth throughout it, it was incredible. And you're one of my favorite alphabets ever. <laughs> you're Thanks. so talented. It's amazing. And well, I, I, 
I was I felt so happy to be at your Alphaba debut. That's awesome. I, I I love that. And 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 you know I got lucky too because it was planned because at the time it was Vicky Noon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Vicky was on vacation. Anne was doing the week and gave me a performance so that I can make my debut. I had time to prep. Um, also, like my parents got to be there, and mm-hmm. you know Doug Lyons, who is a good friend of mine from college flew in and got to be there. So it was a really special moment because it didn't feel like some people, you know, you're on and sorry, we didn't get to give you a put in, but you're on. (laughs) Um, I got my put in, I got rehearsal time. I knew it was happening like maybe a month before it did. So I had time to like mentally prepare myself because I I was freaking out. But yeah, in that way, it wasn't like totally nuts, like like some other people's stories. Um, So I I got really lucky. What was the most challenging song for you to sing? And what was your most challenging scene? Definitely Wizard and I, because at least with Defying Gravity, it's hard, but you're in that lift, there's smoke, there's lights. The way that your voice is supported in that song because it's supposed to feel big and booming and all that stuff like there's so much help that you get there just based on like the the physics of like (laughs) flying through the air and doing all that stuff and it also just sits in my voice in a higher place so I was able to place it more easily as time went on you know I I think probably my first show I think I cracked in Defying Gravity but like whatever who doesn't I don't care with Wizard and I it was like right in the middle of my voice and it felt like the whole end of that song like I couldn't fake it I just had to belt it. If you're feeling tired or nervous at all, that last note is really hard to hold out for as long as as you have to. Plus the fact that you burst out onto the scene and then you are yelling at everybody and then you have to sing this song to introduce yourself to the audience. <laughs> After you've done all this physical stuff and you, you've moved the, the heavy um, suitcase and the heavy wheelchair around, you're, you know, let her go and all that stuff. Your, your shoulders are like up to your ears and then you have to relax and sing this big belty number. So that was definitely the hardest song. One of my favorite songs to act actually, because it's just, it's like a perfect musical theater song, but really hard to sing. The hardest scene for me probably was the scene before For Good, because you go through so many emotions. You're, you start it angry and stressed, then Glinda comes in and you have to tell her without telling her that you're never gonna see each other again. You have to go through that emotion and then you have to sing this really long song that everybody loves and try not to cry so that you can actually get it out. So that part was always difficult and it was especially difficult if one of us was leaving. Like if it was your last performance with somebody or your last performance in general, like that scene and song were really difficult to get through and still make it sound good. (laughs) and not cry through the whole ending which sometimes I just did and um over your entire journey with Wicked what was one of your most proudest moments from all of the years being in the show I think probably like getting through that first contract I was already me and Billy were already playing the roles but only for like five weeks with Tiffany Haas and then she left and Gina Duvall came in to play Glinda and we got really close the three of us and we always lived together on the road and um and out and we just we had a really good off stage and on stage rapport with each other like it was just really fun to be on stage with them and to experience that and so our our final show I felt really proud of us and I felt I mean I did feel really proud of myself for getting through that contract and not like going completely nuts and turning in on myself for all of the times that maybe I didn't sound good or maybe there was a YouTube that popped up that I didn't like and people were being mean to me online or whatever I, I tried my best 
best. And I think it was also because of the people that I understudied, Marcy, Vicky, and Anne. I learned from them how to navigate the role, to call out when I needed to call out and take care of myself, to be kind to everybody, and to also know that it, that the burden doesn't just lie on Alphabet's shoulders. Like there are people that are supporting you that can help you. You have a standby, you have an understudy, the show will happen. It's a big show, nobody's expecting, No, certainly nobody in the building is expecting you to sound perfect all the time. Maybe there are a couple of audience members that are gonna say mean things about you on YouTube, but like, whatever, don't don't read them then. Right. Which I now 100% do not read YouTube comments, I do not read reviews, I do not read any of it because that is one person's opinion about one performance that you gave. It, it does not make or break what you do every day, who you are as a person, and ultimately, at the the end of the day like you you do it <laughs> you know what I mean? exactly like, exactly yeah you do it right <laughs> see <how> else <laughs> because it's hard and I think just like giving my I was proud of myself for giving myself grace through that process to not be perfect all the time and and to have that be okay what is your biggest takeaway or what have you learned from playing Alphaba I I definitely learned that I'm stronger than I think I am more capable than I think I am or that I thought I was I guess at the time it all it also taught it really taught me honestly to speak up for myself because she always did she really more spoke up for others really not herself which is sort of that that has been something that is very important to me as I go through this career and life is to speak up for those that that are unable to speak up for themselves Mm -hmm. and that is something that I loved about that character but through playing her definitely um it became more valuable in my life than it even already was and that like if you have a voice and you are able to like emotionally and and you are able to physically like speak up for doing the right thing and for treating people with kindness and respect and dignity. And I think that that was something that I, I definitely took away from that character and have have used um, going forward in my career and and just in life as a citizen of the world, I think. Did you have any memorable onstage mishaps? <laughs> yes. <laughs> there was one time... I was in the ensemble and it was Natalie Deridich who was playing Glinda. My ensemble track in the beginning was, I was like kind of running up and down stairs and running kind of across the stage all the time. Like my traffic patterns were just sort of all over the place. And there was one time that I ran down the stairs and I tripped over the the last stair and I fully, when I was supposed to go greet her, I fully slid right underneath her bubble dress to the point where it was only my head out from underneath her bubble dress. And she was like, hi, (laughs) and like picked me up and I looked like a crazy person. So that (laughs) happened. Let's see. I mean, I, I was in multiple no-fly shows. Those are always fun. That that was a good one. The, the very first time that I was in a no-fly show, I think it was only my second or third time on ever. It was in Minneapolis, and they didn't find out that it was going to be a no-fly show until right before Defying Gravity started. So I was already on stage. The ensemble was pretty much already preset backstage, so nobody heard the announcement, so nobody knew what was going on. And I ran back to get into the lift, and there's a crew member there who was like, it's a no-fly show. And I was like, what does that mean? Because <laughs> I hadn't been rehearsed on what that meant. Oh, so I was no. like, what does that mean? And he was like, uh, I don't know. I was like, what am I supposed to do? He was like, just walk forward and sing. I was like, okay. So I did the whole thing. And the ensemble ran out as if I was going to start flying because they hadn't heard it. And as they realized that I wasn't flying and that I was actually standing on the ground, I just watched them all slowly sink <laughs> down around and sing the rest of the the um ensemble <laughs> art while I'm just like standing two feet away from them but it was I'll never forget it like specifically Michael Drolet who has like the most energy of anyone that I've ever seen on stage 
ran forward. He was like so into it. He was like, look at her, she's wicked. And then he's like slowly sinking to the ground as I'm trying not to laugh, singing Defying Gravity. That was a pretty good moment. Um, what's the craziest thing you've witnessed an audience member doing in the front row? I, I definitely saw someone s- full out sleeping and snoring during No Good Deed because that's when you're like at your closest point to the front of the stage. And it was this guy who I guess didn't want to be there or maybe he just, I don't really know how he slept through that part because it's so loud and he was right. in the front row, But he was like full out, head back, <laughs> snoring, drooling, like not into it at all. So that was good. That's the best part of the show. How can you fall asleep? Well, in my opinion, that's the best part of the show. I don't like fall asleep during that. You know, I, I, I don't know, <laughs> but he did. And then there was one time, I don't think it was Wicked. I think it was, I think it was Waitress actually, where two audience members got into like a screaming match with each other. We saw one of them because I think, so, I think it was kind of, you know, alcohol related or whatever. Someone was laughing too loud or talking during the show or whatever. And finally someone had had enough. And so they got into like a screaming fight and both got escorted out of the theater, which that's always a little bit scary because when you hear screaming from the audience, you're like, does someone have like, what's happening? And so right. it wasn't necessarily like weird and funny. It was more scary but I had just never experienced like that like they were so close to us like you know 10 rows back or something and just if you're yelling about someone disturbing the show you're disturbing the show yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe maybe just like do your best to wait Mm -hmm. or like quietly get up and go talk to an usher and maybe have that person removed maybe if you can instead of screaming at them to stop screaming <laughs> but yes that that definitely happened I can't remember where it was but it doesn't matter I mean whatever did you get to meet any notable celebrities when you did Wicked yeah I think probably the coolest that I that I got to meet was Whoopi Goldberg just because like Sister Act and Sister Act 2 and Karina Karina were like my favorite movies growing up she was one of an, another idol that I had I just loved her and getting to meet Whoopi was pretty pretty cool yeah that that was awesome and I got there's a picture somewhere online and I look like I am going to like rip her face off I'm smelling so hard so that was it that was a cool one uh Jane Lynch uh got to meet that was cool so nice uh Mary Louise Parker was one that I got to meet because she was friends with K Todd Freeman and he played Dr. Dillamond on Broadway with me and so she came to see the show and brought her daughter Christine Taylor who I I grew up with watching Hey Dude. She came and brought her daughter and a couple of her friends to watch me get painted green. And it was like so nice and they were so lovely. And then um, the next day she sent me this like gorgeous bouquet of flowers and this handwritten note just saying how much she appreciated. She knew how hard my job was and just like taking the time for her kid on her birthday. It was really special. And and yeah, so I've, I've gotten to meet some some pretty cool people. But I would say that Whoopi was probably like, that was the one for me. <laughs> so you're like starstruck. She's an icon. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about Waitress. What was your first reaction when you found out you got the role? I wanted to play that role so bad. When I found out 
that it was becoming a musical. I loved that movie so much. I love Carrie Russell. I think she's great. And that show meant so much to me. The fact that it was an all-female team. The fact that that there are songs in that show that have absolutely nothing to do with love. That they're about like ev- everyday feelings about achieving your dreams or feeling stuck where you are but trying to get out of it. I mean, the, the book is written perfectly. Sarah Bareilles is literally, I have my Sarah Bareilles half hour playlist on my mm-hmm. phone. Like that's what I would listen to before shows that weren't waitress. <laughs> so I loved being able to sing her music. When I first got that phone call, I was just, I had auditioned for it so many times and I had already worked with Diane Paulus in Finding Neverland. And I actually almost didn't go in for Finding Neverland because I didn't think I was right for that part. And I had never been in for Diane before in that capacity. I went in for hair years ago, but I don't think that she would have remembered me. <laughs> so I almost said no to that audition because I didn't want to go in and ruin my chances at playing Jenna later I was like I don't want her to see me as this part because I don't think that I'm going to be good at this like I think that I'm not going to get this part I'm not for Michelle Kelly and like she's going to see me as something that I'm not and then I'll never get called in again for waitress and I'm so glad that I listened to my agents and managers and didn't do that because like the reason that I ended up getting to play waitress was because I did Finding Neverland with Diane (laughs) and she looked at me at the opening night party and she was like have you ever been in for Jenna and waitress and I was like no (laughs) please call me in um and she was like, huh, okay, yeah, we have to get you in for that. I was like, okay. But yeah, it was years. I mean, it was, again, like one of those things. I went in every time there was an opening. I I went in and I always felt great about it, but it just like wasn't my turn yet. And so when I finally got that phone call after, I had an audition for the show probably in like six or seven months. So it kind of came out of nowhere because the last time I auditioned for it, I found out that I didn't get it. And I was like, okay, maybe it's time for me to move on and not like take that personally or anything. Like maybe I won't get to play this part. And then I just randomly got a phone call. Like, hey, uh, actually, there's an opening that you're right for. Can you come in and replace Desi on the first national tour? And so it was completely unexpected at that time and just really exciting because it was it was one of those moments where I hadn't worked in a while and I was getting stressed out. I was thinking that that dream was kind of over and then it kind of fell into my lap at, at the perfect moment in my life. So I was like, I was over the moon excited. I mean, I really, I, I love that show. I love singing that music. I loved playing that character. I, I just, it's an important story to tell that again, is just not really told on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Certainly not from a, a woman's perspective anyways. So like that, that part of it was um, just really important to me. What's your favorite part about playing Jenna? I think my favorite part about playing it honestly is like going to the stage door after and hearing so many stories from people about how they got out of physically abusive and emotionally abusive relationships. And that meant a lot to me because I have also gotten out of relationships like that. Hearing those stories, feeling like I could bring my own very personal perspective to that character and maybe help someone through something. You know, I, ha- I had people that, that wrote me fan mail afterwards was, I was in a an abusive relationship and your performance made me realize that I could get out of it and like that is something that you just don't get when you're doing other shows that that was probably my favorite part was hearing the stories from other people who were helped by seeing that story or who felt seen there just aren't a lot of stories about that that end in the way that that show does where she's a single mom who owns her own business who like was at the lowest point in her life and then picked herself up out of it and did it with the help of her friends and the other the, the, the women in her life like and that that was really important to me too to see the way that Don and Becky kind of like help her through that process and they help each other through that 
through all, all of the different things that they're going through. And just that relationship is something you just don't get to see a lot of on stage. So that was really special. What's your favorite song from the show? My favorite song from the show is Soft Place to Land, the trio between Becky, Don, and Jenna, because it's a song about their hopes and dreams and about how they're going to achieve that and feeling stuck, but not feeling completely defeated. And it's not about the love of a man, you know, that most musicals have, which is, you know, has its own place too. But like, just to sing those harmonies and those words with those two women and just having three women on stage that are breathing together and like harmonizing together and getting through hard times together, something that isn't really normal in musical theater. And the fact that I got to do that with them, I loved the scene leading up to it. It's such a great scene of, of like friendship and connection and, and really seeing someone and hearing someone and truly trying to be there for someone like all all of those characters are for each other in that in that moment and it's just also just beautiful I mean the lyrics are beautiful and the melody and the harmonies are just like I don't know the second that that song starts it like puts me in a good mood that was my favorite favorite scene in the show to do what's your biggest lesson that you've learned from the show that one I think I learned to stand up for myself and realize that my voice was important because with Alphabet, I think it was to stand up for others in Waitress I think I learned how to stand up for myself and stand up for my own like mental health in that during that show I went through a lot personally during that show my dad was in the hospital um, after having heart attacks over Christmas and coming back to that show after experiencing that was was really hard I'm not a person that likes to call out and I'm not a person that likes to not be there for the company but there were just some moments when I came back after experiencing all of that that emotionally especially because that show is so emotional. I was like, I'm not prepared to stand up in front of 2000 people today and tell this story. Right. And I have two amazing understudies that can do this. And my mental health is more important than the show in this moment. And Absolutely. that was something that I did not, I did not experience before. I always put, I always put the show first kind of, mm -hmm. and, and the people in the show first before my own feelings. And now I think I learned from doing that show that like, I can stand up for myself. I can stand on my own two feet and I can tell people people what I need and what I want and I can also be okay with stepping back if I need to like take a mental health day absolutely that's so important yeah yeah what's the most useless talent you have the most useless talent I have uh oh it's probably I have um really great dancers feet but I can't dance <laughs> All of the all of the the dancers that I know and like the the people who like spent their whole lives doing ballet when they see my feet they get really angry because they're like we like try we stretch our feet out to look like your feet and I was like yeah but like they're useless because I literally can't I like can't like walk around stage without like semi tripping over myself so <laughs> that's, that's my most useless talent what's the dumbest way you've been injured the dumbest way I've been injured was probably when I was younger playing with my dog running down the stairs and it's not like they were super steep or anything like that but like I said I can't dance and I'm really clumsy and I fell down the stairs and broke like all of the bones in my in my foot and like had to be on crutches and stuff for a while so that was probably the dumbest way I injured myself not in a show just like in general <laughs> have you ever experienced any paranormal activity while doing a Broadway show or on tour I know that I've been in a lot of haunted houses meaning like haunted theaters I don't think that I've ever experienced something um specifically paranormal however 
There's a great story of Grace uh, Stockdale on Waitress. She got, she, she randomly got like accidentally locked in the St. Louis Fox because she was doing a self tape or like learning an audition or whatever after the show. And she didn't realize how late it had gotten. And there was a security guard there and stuff. But the security guard, we found this out later, the security guard got nervous and scared because they felt like they were experiencing a mm. ghost in the theater normal like activity or whatever so they left and locked the door from the outside and grace got locked in the theater and it was completely dark and she couldn't see anything and she ended up she was like calling she was calling her boyfriend nick at the time and she was like i don't know what to do blah blah, blah. and he was like can you get out a window and she was like i don't know and she like eventually ended up crawling out like opening a window and like crawling out of it and getting out of the theater because the security guard thought they heard something crazy and like ghost like going on and so did she and then she got locked in the theater and had to get out so that was <laughs> Oh, <laughs> favorite. And like, if you know anything about Grace, like it would only happen to her. <laughs> like, it's like that type of thing where it's like, yeah, of I mean, of course, like, of course. It just makes sense that it happens. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was really funny. <laughs> that would be something that would happen to me. Yeah, <laughs> completely. 100%. What has been like your favorite place to perform? And is there any place you wish you could perform? I love touring. It's exhausting. But like, I, I love I love going back to the St. Louis Fox. I mean, it's it's insane. It's like 5,000 seats and beautiful. And um, God, there there are so many places that I love performing. I would say that probably probably my favorite place to perform just because it's it seems so unattainable generally, and I've gotten to do it twice is in is in Japan, is in um, Tokyo and Osaka. Just because the fact that I've gotten to go there twice and both for work and perform there, we got to do Find Neverland there and Rent. And I I I just always love going back there. I love the people of that country I, I love the food I love the fact that the culture is so different I love immersing myself I love immersing myself in different cities around around the United States like don't get me wrong but um truly being in another culture that is so foreign to you and still having theater bring you together regardless of language barriers or cultural barriers or whatever you want to call them like that part is really cool so that would probably be my favorite place and then wait what was the second part of that question is there any place you wish you could perform oh yeah um two places we were supposed to go to alaska on rent and it ended up getting canceled uh because we weren't selling tickets <laughs> so so i would love to just go to alaska because i've never been and i was really we were supposed to spend three weeks there and then we ended up having a three-week layoff and it's just it's like one of the only states that i haven't been to so i'd like to go there and i've also i've gotten to perform in dc at a regional theater but i've never gotten to perform you know at at the at the touring houses mm -hmm. i was supposed to twice and then also those got switched around so yeah, th those would be two two places that I would I would like to perform just because they're they're iconic and it's and I, I really like DC. I loved spending time there when I was there regionally. So yeah, I'd like to to do that. If you were stranded on an island, who would you want to be there with? Well, Matt, but an obvious choice. <laughs> yeah, but but Matt and Chowda, because because like M Matt always says that uh, that he'd he'd be a weapon in a zombie apocalypse, <laughs> and I think it's true because he's not really too afraid of many things so I feel like that would be that that would be a good person to have on an island where maybe you didn't know what was going to happen next <laughs> and then um and then shout out you know for for the the emotional support of being stranded on an island <laughs> <laughs> and he's adorable <laughs>
<laughs> if you could go back and give your younger self advice, what would it be? Uh, to not be so hard on myself. You're going to make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. Every, and they're not even mistakes. They're, they're learning experiences. There are no mistakes. You can, all, you can always learn something from something that you say wrong, something that you do wrong, something that you wish you, you did a little bit better, but like, okay, then you'll do it better next time. And I'm not saying better as in like performing. It's bigger than that. And I, I think I spent a lot of time, especially in my 20s, being really, really hard on myself for the things that didn't work out in the way that I hoped that they would and blaming myself for a lot of it, even though sometimes whether you believe in God or the universe or you don't believe in if you you don't believe in any of that things do happen for a reason and it is always to learn from them and then to move on there's not a single person in the entire world that like that doesn't wish that something turned out differently now that we know that we can a like give others grace and b we can give ourselves grace and then maybe we can actually all come together and hang out and like make the world a better place together knowing that that none of us are perfect What's the most valuable lesson you've learned in life? I will say that at one of the lessons that I learned that I think is super valuable and sort of like ties into what I was just saying is from Joyce McGillberry, who is the phenomenal wake, uh, makeup artist on Wicked's uh, second national tour. She started in Chicago and, and then continued on for the second national is literally still doing the makeup to this day. And there was one day that I went in and I was not feeling good. And I thought that I was going to sound bad and I should have called out, but I was already like half painted green and I couldn't call out because it was going to ruin the show if I did. And she said to me, what percentage do you feel today and I was like honestly Joyce I was like I feel like I'm at a 50% like I I feel really nervous about what's going to come out of my mouth I should have called out I'm really really exhausted I'm stressed I feel like I'm at a 50% she was like okay we'll give a hundred percent of 50% and I was like huh I really thought about it that way <laughs> because you can only give a hundred percent of what you have and it's not going to be the same one day as it was yesterday as it was this morning as it is tomorrow so all you can do is your best <laughs> and like that that is just so it's not just theater it's it's not just performing. It's not just singing. That's, that's everything. Again, like you have to give yourself grace. You have to understand that like sometimes your emotional capacity is not going to be as big as it was before because of something else that's going on and that's okay. Just do the best that you can. And sometimes the best that you can is staying home mm -hmm. and taking care of yourself. And yep. other times yep. it's showing up and just doing your best. <laughs> so like that, that to me, it was so poignant and um, is something that I tell all of my students and also just something that I, that I try to remind myself of when I'm feeling down or, or, you know, being too hard on myself or whatever, like do your best. And, and if you can honestly say that, that you did your best for whatever you have that day, then good for you. I like that advice. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to start applying that to my real life. Show. Yeah. <laughs> jo Joyce is the best. Joyce, <laughs> Joyce keeps everybody sane. She's the best. <laughs> what are different ways you've gotten creative? during the pandemic? I mean, I've started multiple like teaching businesses and things like that. That was definitely something that we were already doing, but going full force into that and bringing other teaching artists on board. And I think the thing that I'm most proud of about what me and Matt have done is survive surviving this pandemic um, as artists who are whose industry is shut down, but also making sure that we that we give as many opportunities to others 
to succeed and make money and be okay. And we we have the privilege that we have, and therefore we can use it to help others who maybe don't or didn't have coaching businesses before, and they didn't have all of these students to choose from. And we we did because we started this coaching business a long time ago. So okay, let's bring more people in. Let's get more people paid. Let's get more people like not so nervous that they're not going to be able to buy their groceries and pay rent at the same time. That has been something that I, I, I will continue to strive for in, in my life and the creative ways in which we've been able to branch out and get lots of artists work as opposed to just trying to survive for ourselves because ultimately that turns into more opportunities for you too. Cindy Winters is like a perfect example. Someone that I did Jesus Christ Superstar Live with and just during this pandemic we have kind of become like business partners like back and forth we'll throw each other gigs and stuff like we always involve each other in things that that will ultimately make us money and like now we know that like we have each other if she has something that I'm right for or whatever she throws it my way and vice versa so that that's been like just a really cool way to be creative still be in the industry while it's shut down and also give back to the industry and my my community of of performers and musicians and directors and all that and choreographers and all that finding creative ways to still be a part of the business and give back I would say I love that. What do you think theater will look like when it reopens? That is a crazy question. <laughs> um, I I honestly, I, I don't know. And I don't think that any of us know. <laughs> a lot of things need to change. Yep. And I think that at least in that way, we are, we are headed in the right direction. And that the people that have come together to support change and to support, to support what we want the industry to look like. I think the pandemic ha- has opened, certainly as opened my eyes to a lot of things, opened the eyes of of a lot of artists everywhere saying, okay, you know, we're so stressed and singularly focused all the time about like getting the next job. And we don't even like, we don't even really have time to process what the last job made us feel like, or, or what the industry makes us feel like, or, or whatever, whatever the case may be. This was the first time that we've all collectively had to take a break and say, whoa, maybe we wouldn't be so stressed out all the time. And so kind of like depressed sometimes if we actually took some of the power that we really do have and come and come together and and support the change that needs to happen in that way I am very hopeful there's still a lot of work to be done and I think again I think we're headed in in the right direction in that way I think a lot of it is also going to be done when there is an industry open again yeah you know it's it's hard Mm -hmm. it's hard hard to say we we we're coming up with really great ideas but we can't completely put all of them into action until we have something to be active about and there's so little going on right now there's some tv and stuff and like you know whatever and some some readings and stuff but like those those big productions that that we've been a part of aren't happening yet so that's going to be an interesting second learning curve that we have to get through Mm -hmm. i think that we're well on our way and we're doing as much as we can during the pandemic when things aren't open I think that the next step has to be when things open up and we have to see what that looks like to then move forward with all these ideas that we've come up with absolutely yeah to end we have a few lightning round questions that are fun if you had a yacht what would you name it I mean chowda morning or night night if you could be any flavor of ice cream, what ice cream flavor would you be and why? Uh, ginger snap molasses from Melly Tharb's ice cream in Wakefield, Massachusetts. It's where I had my first job, scoop, you know, scooping ice cream and it's the best ginger snap molasses. It's only, it's only there like for certain seasons. I think it's there like in the fall and that's it. And it's my favorite. 
Um, what would you do on Mars for fun? Um, well, Mars is my favorite color. So I'd probably like roll around in the dirt. Super speed or invisibility? Invisibility. If you could swim in any liquid, what would it be and why? I would swim in, oh, you know what? I would probably swim in um, the really, really, really creamy cheese and mac and cheese just because like, like that. Now I'm hungry. If you could add a person to Mount Rushmore, who would it be and why? Oprah, because Oprah. like Oprah. Oprah. Yeah, Oprah. It's Oprah. <laughs> Where is the worst place you could get stuck? On a subway car with no air conditioning. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> Least favorite genre of music. I don't know. That's hard. I actually really, I mean, I really like, I really like all music. I guess I'm not like super into crazy club music, like, but I think that there's a place for it. If I'm in a club, then yeah. But if like, if I'm just in my apartment, not so much my thing. I'm a little bit more chill than that. What store do you shop at the most? I mean, the grocery store, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, on, honestly, I shop at the grocery store the most. What's your favorite Halloween costume? Well, there was one year that I kept myself painted green and then Joyce helped me paint the rest of my body and I went as the She-Hulk. Robert Gardner, who um, was one of the, the wig people on the second national tour, like made me this amazing, he like took two wigs and put them together. So it was like huge and very superhero-like. And so, yeah, that was, that was probably my favorite Halloween costume. That's awesome. <laughs> What fashion trend do you just not get? I, I I don't understand super short shorts. I don't understand how they're comfortable. I, I, I'm like, good for you. But like, I put them on and I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I feel like I can't sit down anywhere. I feel like walking around is an issue. Like, I don't understand it, but like, good for you. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We really, really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, no problem. This was like, so great. So fun. Thank you for listening to episode seven. Don't forget to follow us on all our social media, Facebook and Instagram at Once Upon a Stage Podcast and Twitter at OUA Stage Podcast.